Can you just put your hands together one more time for Kaylin? That was a great job. The humor. I'm, I'm good on the side. I'm good on the side. Thank you. Well, welcome, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Good? Yeah? Weather's all right, huh? Not that bad yet. Okay, some. I, I won't go there. Sorry, sorry. We won't touch upon the weather. Um, if you're a New Englander, then this is, well, this is okay. This, this temperature, there's not a lot of snow on the ground. Although, you know, I don't know if I'm going to say this in the right crowd. I'm sure this isn't the right crowd to say something like this. But I'm going to do it anyways. Um, I'd rather it be snowing than raining. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, okay, okay, all right, all right. A couple of y'all, all right, all right. How many want snow at least for Christmas? Yes, okay, a couple of you. All right, all right, all right, all right. I just want to make sure there's still a few of us around this place. Well, amen. My name is Daryl Temple. If you're new here, welcome. Um, me and my wife, uh, this beauty on the front row. Um, yeah, she is my wife. That's right. Uh, 10 years now, babe? 11 years? 11 years. 11 years. Yeah, I almost forgot how many years we were married. It's okay. Let's not go there. 11. Let's go with 11. They don't know. We co-lead this um, church together, and uh, we're going to get right into today's sermon. Hey, how many were here for Christmas in Cambridge? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple of you. Yeah, we got like three or four different churches. So, um, but uh, if you were here, hey, listen, we are still getting word in of just how the different organizations that we partnered with for this thing, Christmas in Cambridge, how um, happy and thrilled that they were that we partnered with them. And so um, news about you is spreading throughout Boston and, and the work that we did. Hey, even though we only had like card decorating, cookie decorating, we wrapped some gifts. Uh, I, I, we, we stuffed, I, I think, like a little over 100 care packages uh, for people on the streets. Um, there was more that we did prior to that Sunday with different organizations. So we, we really, this church went above and beyond the call of duty. And just want to thank you as a pastor for jumping in and joining in with us. And just brightening up this time of the year. as it, It's not as happy for some as it is for others. Um, we are going to be talking about Advent this Sunday. Hopefully that's okay. If you're not familiar with Advent, I hope by the time I'm done, you will be. Um, now, I made probably the mistake last Sunday in kind of telling you that I am a big fan of Christmas. Um, it is true. I do love Christmas. I'm going to spare you those details. All, although, by the show of hands, um, there's a lot of people that could probably use it, uh, seeing how you weren't here last Sunday. But I'm going to spare you from that. Uh, and I'm going to kind of mention just a couple things that I cannot stand about Christmas. Anybody? Okay, just a couple things. It's not a long list. It's certainly not as long as the things that I love about Christmas. Um, but it is a list. And um, any, you know, anybody here hate shopping? Raise your hand if you hate shopping. Really, that's it. You guys are not being honest. I know that there's more people here that cannot. Listen, I know we live in the age of Amazon, right? When you can just conveniently get, yeah, praise the Lord for Amazon, right? Uh, you can just get online and shop online, and you don't even have to leave your house. But, but for somebody like me, that in and of itself is also too much work. I know, don't judge me, okay? Don't, don't judge me with those eyes. But I, 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 my wife has a very specific taste, okay? And I break out in cold sweats when it's her birthday and when it's Christmas, because I never know, any, any husbands here? I know we're kind of like the minority amongst this group, but, but I mean, if your wife has a specific taste, is it not hard to kind of nail it, to get it right? It's hard for me. It's too much pressure, a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. And so I don't like it I, via in a store or uh, online. I mean, I'm the kind of shopper who 
wants to know at least two days before he goes shopping what he's getting. Okay, anybody? I don't just window shop, okay? Any window shoppers here? You just go to stores because you just like it. What's wrong with you people? I just want to say there's something wrong with you. We need prayer. I, I cannot, I, if I'm going to go, I'm just not going to walk through TJ Maxx just for the sake of seeing what's out there on sale and, and cheap. I'm just, it's not, it doesn't, the thought never crosses my mind. Right? Anybody here like that? I mean, if I'm going shopping, I want to know what I'm getting. I want to know the aisle, right? I want to know the specifics of what it is that I'm getting. And Christmas is no fun because you kind of have to, like, pull a rabbit out of your hat. Throughout the year, your wife tells you, oh, I would like this. Oh, I would like that. And, and, and somehow when it comes December 25th, you can't remember everything that she told you throughout the year that she wanted. So I don't like shopping. I, can, I don't like shopping at all. Um, wrapping gifts. Anybody here enjoy wrapping gifts? Thank God, like, we as Americans kind of woke up to, like, having, like, these little stations where you can bring your gift and they'll wrap it for you and you just walk off. I mean, thank God for those guys doing that. I hate wrapping gifts. I really do. No, seriously, I don't know. It's a kind of strange phenomena, phenomena in the Temple household um, where we kind of, like, start wrapping gifts around 1230 at night. I don't know what's wrong with us. It's, it's late. And we, 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 uh, Christmas Eve, sorry. We don't do it Christmas night. We do it Christmas Eve. That would just pray for our son. He would be traumatized. But um, we, 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 we wait really late on Christmas Eve to wrap our gifts. Anybody here do that? Anybody here do that? Okay, not, not too many. Um, but, but I don't know why we do it because we know I, I have this gnawing thought in the back of my mind that says my son's going to be up just a couple hours from now. And, 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 and we get the, the presents around the tree, uh, we, we get it all set up, and it's like two o'clock by the time it's all done, and we know in the back of our brains that Abram is up at four, ready to go. Anybody have any children that like to get up early for Christmas? I was one of those kids. You know, I came across uh, this message where a pastor was talking about what his parents did to kind of keep their kids contained in the early hours of Christmas. They actually reserved the biggest gift for their kids for Christmas morning. So the kids could get up without their parents getting up and open their biggest gift that was on their list and kind of play with it. I mean, I think that is genius. Where was, my, where was this when my parents had children, right? But any, any, any inspired, like, wanting to be parents someday, like, like mark it down, use it. It's, it would probably be a good tool. Um, cooking. Anybody don't like cooking? I can't stand cooking. I don't do a lot of it, so therefore I don't know why I can't stand it, but I don't, I don't do a lot of it. But I will roll up my sleeves, get involved, and get invested with my wife. I don't expect her to do. But I just can't stand the work that goes into getting ready for Christmas. I love celebrating Christmas. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm all about it. Like, sign me up. I and mean, we just celebrated Christmas with our volunteers here on Wednesday, and I, I was loving it. I had so much fun. But, but the work that actually goes into having that fun, anybody with me? Like, can't can we just sub this out? Can't we just, you know, find somebody to wrap the gifts, <laughs> find somebody to stay up late, put on the tree, right? But, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is I can't stand the work that goes into preparing for Christmas, honestly. Love celebration, but I don't honestly love preparing for those times of celebration. Um, in that's why I need this time of the year, because Advent reminds me that Christmas is not just about celebration, it's about preparation. Hopefully, 
you started December 1st with us, observing um, both the birth of Christ and the second advent of Christ's arrival. How many know that Jesus is coming back? Now, a couple of you. How many know that Christ, our Lord, as sure as he came as a baby in a manger, he is coming as a ruling king to rule the earth and his people? And that's what Advent is primarily about because you see, Jesus already came as a baby. Did that, bought that, got the t-shirt. Jesus did it. He ain't coming back as another child in a manger with magi and, and weird animals that poop everywhere and a cute little manger. He's coming back as a king. And this king has blood-stained robes. How about that for the Christmas story? He, he has blood-stained robes. He has his sword drawn, and he's ready to take, kill, and take some names. How about that? Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Hilltop Church. <laughs> but this is the reality of what we're waiting for. You see, Jesus is not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as a ruler who will... I got, I got a couple of you. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's really... It helps me out. Thank you. It does. No, you don't, you don't understand. I'm being totally serious about that. Um, but he's not coming back as a child, guys. He's coming back as a king. And in light of his coming, Jesus tells us to prepare, to make our hearts ready for his coming. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, this part of Advent gets lost in the kind of cute and cuddly baby, this little child born in a manger with the magi, you know, the star, beautiful little animals. I don't know how beautiful it was. If you kind of look at the context, it was kind of ugly and kind of any place that I know me and my wife would have a child, but um, especially my wife, she'd have like sanitizing wipes all over the place, you know, <laughs> while she's giving birth. She's like, okay, let's clean this up. But it was anything but glorious, right? But, but that the message, the message of, of preparation and, and waiting for the return of Christ kind of gets lost in kind of the glitter and the glitz of the holidays, doesn't it? We, 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 would, we relate more to the baby Jesus, right? I mean, come on, let's just be honest. We do. We, we relate more to this cute little savior of the world of which he is. Hey, listen, I'm not down in it. It's my savior too. I'm all about it. Like I love that Jesus came as a child born of a virgin. Primarily to die for our sins. But I also love that the full consummation is coming too. The full consummation of Jesus' kingdom is coming to this earth. And I am in the process of, of, of which I hope you are too. Of making your heart ready for his return. See, I don't know if you've ever, around this time of the year, studied certain scriptures that talk about Jesus' coming. But it is quite a thing, the events surrounding, leading up to, and actually happening when Jesus returns. It's, dare I say, quite scary. And Jesus knows the gravity of what's coming, and he asks us to prepare our hearts. Why? So that we could just be ready? No, so that we can stand, I believe, under kind of like the shock and the awe. You see, the world has never seen and will never see again such a spectacle 
as a man, a king, ripping open the sky, coming with his angels ready for war. You may have thought that things that you saw in your life could prepare you for such, but hear me, friends. This will take you by surprise. The extraordinary of God's kingdom coming down in full force upon the ordinary and mundaneness of our everyday lives. Friends, we need to be prepared. Actually, Jesus tells us to be prepared. If you look at Matthew 24, 44, he says this, therefore, you also must be ready, right? We don't need, and I'll finish reading the verse, but we don't need a lot of explanation with that, right? And we don't, you don't need a lot of context. You don't need to explain that. Jesus is commanding us, his followers, his believers to be ready. As he goes on, for the son of man is coming at an hour when you will not expect. Wow. Wow. Now, what is the kind of expectancy Jesus referencing here? You know, I don't know if you're like me, but how can you possibly get ready for something you don't expect? Am I the only one there? Does that seem logical and intelligent to you? I mean, like, you know, we live in a culture where it's like, like it's all about scheduling. Like, I need to know what's going on Monday through Sunday, right? I mean, I need to know where I need to be. I need to know who I need to meet with, especially as a pastor. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I have a hard enough time managing what's on my calendar, meaning being on time, getting there, knowing what we're talking about, knowing what the meeting's about. Forget about things that are just spontaneous. So what kind of expectation is Jesus talking about? Jesus isn't talking about being caught off guard, friends. This isn't like you being unprepared for your relatives coming over on Christmas. Oh my God, I didn't know they were coming. Quick, quick, clean up. This is not that kind of, like you're in the dark. This is not the kind of expectation that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about the kind of expectation that happens when you have had plenty of notice about something, but you did not prepare for it. You see the difference there? You you track it with me? It's the kind of thing where you see all, you know, the signs and your, 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 your nose is in the book and you're reading everything that Jesus says about the times that are, are surrounding and leading up to his coming. But yet you did nothing about it. You prepared not one iota of your life. You made not your heart ready. Anybody familiar with the uh, five wise, five foolish virgins who Jesus in Matthew 25 explained as kind of like people who were kind of ready for the bridegroom and and girls that are virgins that weren't. This is the kind of preparation. They all had notice. They were all in the know. Although Jesus kind of keeps us in the dark, right, about the hour and the time, he discloses plenty about the events that will take place around his coming. As a matter of fact, he's not the only one. There are plenty of apostles in the New Testament who also show us different things that we can look for regarding Jesus' return and how we are to prepare our hearts for that return. So this is not the kind of like nobody told you about it, expected. This is the kind of the warning was there and you were not looking. You know, we as humans, right, we have that tendency, don't we? I mean, Jesus himself called out some Pharisees, right? 
He told them, I, I can't remember where, it's in the Gospels, it's there, but he talked to a couple Pharisees on how they were able to, by looking at the clouds, um, discern that it was going to rain because, well, they looked like clouds, I guess, that had rain. I'm not a meteor- meteorologist, sorry. But um, it, it, so he was talking about how you can discern and kind of look plainly at the sky and say, oh, it's going to rain today. But you cannot discern the things of God and the times and the seasons of God. You know, and, and then we as humans, and we're in this boat too, we totally butchered uh, Jesus' first advent where we did not see him as Messiah. We did not see him as king. And yes, God was in the detail. God blinded us to some of that. But you know what? We still were the ones who said liar and hung him on a cross. And I happen to believe that many of us, if we're not careful, will be caught off guard when it comes to the second advent of Jesus' arrival. Have you ever been um, unprepared for something? I mean, come on, I, let's, like, <laughs> totally, right? Um, you know, you may have had days, months, maybe even years to prepare, maybe for that test, that meeting, whatever it is that you have to do on a regular basis. But you, 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 just, you just did not prepare yourself, and you had time to do it. But yet when it came to that moment... When it came to that moment, when it came to that test, when it came to that meeting, you, it just dry, it failed miserably. This is what Jesus is talking about. The complete failure. Because of the complete oversight and the lack of attention to what was so obvious. Anybody ever seen Jingle All the Way? Late 90s movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger fans, anybody here? Raise your hand, am I showing my age? Arnold Schwarzenegger, anybody? It's not a tumor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back, you know, that guy? Terminator, anybody? Anybody fans? Okay. Nobody? Two people? Great. I think he's like a governor of California now, some part of California, but... Uh... Oh, he's not. It, well, he was. Okay. <laughs> He's there like, no, he wasn't. Well, at some point he was. But so he may not be now, but he was. So let's, let's relax a little bit, okay? Um, but he certainly was the Terminator, okay? All right, that we know. That we know. Well, me and my family kind of snuggled in Tuesday. No, Monday night, sorry. Family night. And we watched this movie called Jingle All the Way. Late 90s movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the main character. And Arnold, well, you know, he was like kind of the typical dad who was kind of preoccupied with work and because of his kind of distraction and his, his givenness to work, um, his family suffered greatly because of it. And so through the story, um, he tries to make it up. For example, the story kind of opens up with him having to be on time uh, for his karate, his son's, excuse me, karate class. His, it's just kind of like a celebration because he's going to go from yellow belt to purple belt. Anybody do karate here? Wow, wow, wow. Jared was like, I think I do. I don't know. Do they offer that at YWAM? I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. DTS <laughs> with Mr. Miyagi. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, he, but, he, but he tries. He, he, he tries. And, and I just want to try to use this as kind of some kind of example of, 
where we can um, see what we need to be prepared for, but totally drop the ball. Uh, so uh, about an hour before the event, his wife calls him and says, honey, like, you know, Johnny, I don't know if the kid's, was, the kid's name was Johnny, excuse me, but like Johnny is really looking forward for you to be there. Okay, and on time, like other parents are going to be there. They're going to have their VHSs out. Like they're going to snap some shots. They're going to celebrate these victories. And, and you need to be there. Honey, you do not have like a history of like being on time and being there for us when we need you the most. And he's like, oh, honey, I'll be there. I, it's my best impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he goes right back to work. His secretary even comes in with like these, these signs like warning him. Half an hour, you, you got a half an hour to get to your destination. He's like, oh, I'll be there. He gets back on the phone. She comes in, 20 minutes. you got 20 minutes to get there. I'm coming. You know, I, that's, that's my best. Uh, and, and, and like five minutes before uh, the, the event starts, she comes in with another sign, and he goes running off. He goes running off. You see, Arnold um, had every chance, right? He had every sign before him. He even had his loving wife call him an hour beforehand and said, honey, please be there. You got an hour. Like, it takes 30 minutes. Like, make sure you leave on time. He had his secretary come in, cards, you know, waving him out, saying, hey, you got to go, you got to go. But yet, he was late. He didn't get there. And, um, you know, obviously, his family was very disappointed. Listen, I hope that after today's sermon, you will be able to prioritize looking at what is very obvious in scripture regarding the return of Christ. Now, I I hope that Advent for you, this kind of observation of Jesus's return isn't something that just happens in a four-week period of time, December 1st, between December 25th. I hope that you can live in a constant state of just awareness that one day the King of Glory is gonna peel back the sky and he's gonna come and he's gonna rule, he's gonna reign, he's gonna call his people. I hope, I pray that we as a church, that you as a people prioritize such. And I stand kind of like the secretary waving a big note in front of you that says he's coming. Make ready your heart. He's coming. If you want some help, well, we have endless text on to, uh, to go to. You have Matthew 24. The whole chapter talks about Jesus' return and the things surrounding his return. Matthew 25, you have John 14. Luke 21, Revelations 1. Luke 12, you have Revelations 19. And the list is endless. God, in his wisdom, gave us a great catalog. We are not, le- listen, you, are not, you, you, are, you have not been left in the dark about this. God has shined a great light in Scripture to lead you through this. And so Jesus, as was mentioned, talked a great deal about his coming. He commands this from us to be ready, to ready our hearts. He gives us some details. We don't have time to get into all those details, but you can look later. But ironically, he discloses nothing Uh, regarding the details of the hour and the time in which he's going to return, which I find quite interesting and somewhat unfair for many reasons. But um, turn with me to Matthew 24, 36, and I promise I'm going to bring this to a close. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus says this. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows... Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only knows the time.
Again, I said this earlier in the sermon, but how are we expected to prepare for our, uh, ourselves for an event that we don't know the time, we don't know the hour in which he will return? And I imagine that Jesus said this fully knowing that we didn't need to know the time, that it possibly wouldn't have been good for us to know the time, that there's a reason he did not disclose this. I happen to believe that, but we need to keep our mind's eye on the bigger picture, right? The purpose of Jesus' teachings, of the events surrounding his return, are not merely there, right? They're not just, they don't just exist to satisfy some curiosity within us, right? I mean, even his disciples wanted, like, kind of like, that's where, that's where Matthew 24, uh, 36 comes from. His disciples want to know the hour and the time. Jesus says, it's not for you to know. But that's not exactly what Jesus wants our focus on. And that's not what he wanted his uh, disciples focused on either. It's not just there to uh, satisfy some kind of curiosity of the timing. They're meant, I believe, to reveal how we are to live in light of these future events. Let me say that again. I believe that Jesus discloses things in Matthew 24. They're there to reveal how we are to prepare our hearts, ready our lives for these future events. Now we need some practicals, right? So we're going to go to Romans 13 briefly. A couple verses, 11 through 14. Paul the Apostle says this. Besides this, you know the time. He's talking again about the time of our Lord's return. He says that the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep. So he's saying in light of the coming of Christ... You, God's people, should wake up from sleep. And and we're not talking, you're not physically, he's not talking to a people who are physically sleeping while he's talking. He's talking to people who are spiritually asleep. We got a couple of those kinds of people, maybe even myself in this room tonight, and in the likeness or the spirit and heart of Paul, I also say that in light of these times, these days, awake from your sleep. Awake from your spiritual apathy and complacency. And if you do it for no other reason, do it because our salvation draws near. See, we are closer to that second advent than we were at the time that Paul said this. So therefore, the urgency becomes even greater. Now he says, after waking up from sleep, he says, for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Verse 12, the night is far gone. Again, he's just talking about the the passing of the time. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. We're already into the next day, guys. Yesterday is gone. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It matters what happens now, in this moment, and on forward to Jesus' return. So here's the helpful tips of how we are to prepare ourselves for the coming of the second advent of Jesus Christ. He says, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly 
in the daytime. Not in orgies, not in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in uh, sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions. Underscore that in your Bible. If you don't have one, underscore it in your head. Make no provisions. Not some, not a little. Paul the Apostle says, make no provisions. In the heart of the Apostle, I would say the same. Prepare yourself. Make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desire. Oh, we need a great grace. We need a great, great grace to rest upon us. I can think of several times even this week where I have made provisions for my flesh and have gratified, therefore, the desires of my flesh. So the way that I see this in closing is that Paul gives us four things that we should, as believers... Now, again, I'm talking to believers... He gives us four things that we should occupy ourselves with as we wait for Christ's return. One, put off the works of darkness. So we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not in the dark, right? We, we're not clueless here. We got now some kind of practical information to kind of apply and walk and put off the darkness and put on the weapons of light, Right? You have that putting to death the flesh and the works of darkness, and you have that picking up. Not, 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 not the works of light, but the weapons of light. <laughs> oh, man. Third, walk decently, not in strife and jealousy. Come on, if you're given to stir up strife and contention, you know, if you're always jealousy and, jealous and wanting to one-up the person next to you, just stop it. Put it away. Put those childish things to death. And then third, I'm sorry, fourth, put on the Lord Jesus. And this is what I believe Paul is saying here. It's not by might. It's not by your self-imposed, like, you know, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to put off the works of death. You do, we, none of us do that. None of us will do that. There's got to be something that's greater than our own self-determination, right? I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to put away the computer today. I'm going to shut, shut it down. I'm going to get off Netflix. I'm going to close down. Shows. No, you just don't will yourself and try to drag yourself into this. No, you've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to clothe yourself in his grace. You've got to know that you're probably going to fall 180 times, and that doesn't matter. You've got to pull yourself back up and stand and move on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's the only way where we will be able to make no provisions for the flesh. Come on, let's be honest, guys. Our lives would look a lot differently if we lived them in light of Christ's return. As believers, it would look... Come on. How would your obedience be affected? How would being obedient to Christ be directly affected by you living in light of like God could... Listen, right after I'm done, right this very moment, Christ could come. We're, we're We're not promised anything, friends, right? 
God wants to make very clear this reality for his believers. Not just so we can fear and be like, oh my goodness, like, should we like dig holes in the ground and like build bunkers and like store up food? No! It's so that you can live this life making no provisions for the flesh because you have something greater to fear and it's not man, it's God. So our lives would look differently if we lived with the conviction that Jesus could crack open the sky at any moment, come back and gather us and rule and reign. Our devotion would be deepened. Our love and commitment for God would be deepened. My guess is that it would look a lot different than what it does now. And I believe that's why we have passages of scripture like Mark, uh, Matthew 24 and in Revelations 19, it's not to give us some kind of fear. It's to say, listen, live your life in light of these events. You know, it's so hard to just keep up with all the various trends and things happening in the church. And, you know, it almost seems as though the church, for the most part, has gone to, like, kind of the, this self-helps message and, you know, kind of like how to better this and better that. And I'm all for it. Like, I, I, want, I want a better marriage. You know, I, you know, I don't know about the prosperity gospel. That doesn't really uh, sit right in my heart. But, you know, um, but it, it seems like in our attempt to, you know, get better lives and get checks in the mail and, you know, <laughs> bonuses, gifts and raises, new jobs. It almost seems that in light of that, we have lost the very core message of the gospel. I, I, I just, I, I want to I say this in closing. What gospel are you reading? I, I see nothing in the New Testament that promises you anything but salvation. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well just commit. You know, you go, go ahead, go ahead. It's all right. Like, okay, or, all right, all right, yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, listen, my recommendation is if you're just not wanting to commit, don't do it at all. Um, just, just quick observation, but thank you. But we need not to lose ourselves in the midst of a very strange time and era that we live in where the gospel has been perverted, has been twisted to more... Um, suit our needs and what we feel as though we want from God when in essence God has promised us eternal life. And so I want to get back. See, it's, it's more than just a four-week period of time for me. I want to get back to the key things in which the book teaches us. I want to do, listen, I want to do away with the weird and I want to I wanna lay hold of the real. There's a lot of weird things going on in the church. A lot of weird doctrines. And, and we would be better to just lay hold and stay true to the true tenets and core teachings of this book without diverting. You see, the message of salvation, I happen to believe, is a message we need. And I don't need to take it much further than that because that in of itself is fully satisfying to me knowing that God came. God came. He didn't just send a messenger, friends. Okay? 
Like, he didn't just send Gabriel, like, hey, can you go take fearless, like, down a cross, like, I'll make you a human, like, born of a virgin. No, God came. I'm all about that message. But you know what? He's already come as a baby, and he's coming very soon as a king. And my heart this morning is to simply exhort you to make your heart ready in light of his return. Can you close your eyes and bow your heads? Now, I imagine there's plenty of people here this morning who you're like, hey, man, like, I'm not in this Christian boat. Like, I just came here because my mom drugged me to church. I I came here because I wanted to get a best friend off my back. Listen, if that's you this morning, I want to offer you the greatest gift you will ever receive in your entire lifetime, and that is the gift of eternal life. Bought and purchased for you, not because of your good deeds or your works, but by Jesus' death and his blood being shed. If that is you, I am not going to work this up. If you want that gift, with every eye closed and every head bowed, just stick your hand up and I would like to pray for you after service. Again, we are going to give this three minutes. That's how good this gift is. We are not going to try to sell it up because it is the best gift. We don't need to sell it. So if that's you and you want the gift of eternal life, one more offer. Just sneak your hand up in the air. I want to pray for you. I thank you. I see your hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Father, we thank you for the precious gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we have gone from baby Jesus now to King Jesus. Lord, this within our minds provokes a certain kind of thought, Lord. We're We think about scriptures like Revelation 19 and we see this kingdom coming, Lord. This man who is bringing vengeance and establishing his kingdom on earth. Lord, we see this and our hearts kind of leap with terror. But Lord, I don't think we were ever meant to have terror. Certainly not if we were, as your word exhorts us to, preparing our hearts as we should. And so, Father, I pray from this moment on that we would have the ongoing conviction to not just within the month of December, but every month, God, reminding ourselves that the King is coming. The King is coming. Lord, that we would preach it, we would sing it, we would pass it on to our children, God. I pray, Lord, that it would be at the forefront of our minds, God, that it wouldn't get lost in kind of the the baby in a manger, the magi, and Lord, the stables, and all those things, but Lord, it would be like right in the front of our thinking throughout the year. Lord, as Leonard Ravenhill said so eloquently, stamp eternity on our eyelids, Lord, so that we might see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, church, that's all I got.